Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everyone, welcome to the B4 Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Ashley. And together we're the hosts of Vish Podcast. And today... We Back have again. Yep. The one and only. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's Pastor Brad, Brad here. Yeah. Good to see you guys. Yeah, Good man. to be here with you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. for jumping in on this really important conversation that we've yeah. been having about um, the tension of grace and truth yeah. mm-hmm. and how to live in the middle of a world as it is, and yet at the same time, um, working towards yeah. what we hope it would be in Jesus. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Yeah. We're excited to hear some your thoughts and especially how things have affected you in your own personal life and get to know you a little bit more yeah. in the process. And as always the case, I asked to not see the question. <laughs> yeah. so Brad's that's how response these was, yeah. I like surprises. Just so you guys know, so. when you listen to this, I really do like to just give an extemporaneous uh, <laughs> yeah. answer to questions. And I yes. had no idea what our topic was before coming that's in. Right. So nope. I just, that's right. I prefer it that way. Avid listener of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, uh, right. <laughs> But that's but, intentional, right? Yes, that's, yes, why, that's why we're yeah, doing it. Is, what we're doing yeah, it. It is. Yes. Um, so to start us off, we have been talking about grace and truth, as Alex said. So yeah. for you, Brad, how would you define grace, and how has your understanding of grace changed over time as you've walked with Jesus? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So grace, um, first, I think grace is probably the most important word for me mm. when it comes to my faith and spirituality and how mm-hmm. I understand who God is and how we relate to him and how he relates to us. Um, but it wasn't always that way. I think grace um, grace early on for me in my faith journey was basically a reminder that I should have gotten in trouble, but I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it was kind of like, you deserve a spanking. Right. But you didn't get it. I'm going to show yes. you grace. And so grace was yeah. actually for a long time. It was, um, it was a source of shame. Mm. It was a source of uh, just this constant reminder of just how bad, how bad, how bad, you know, over and over again. And I actually really remember when I first encountered a different kind of grace. And it was after, you know, Sherry and I were both in a, a specific church tradition, and we had. Um, uh, I had been a youth pastor in that tradition, and then Sherry got a job at another church working as an administrative assistant, mm-hmm. and I stepped down. Mm. It was a really toxic culture, so I stepped down, and we started attending this church. And I remember walking in the auditorium on a Sunday, and I was just overwhelmed with mm. this sense of God's love and acceptance. Mm. And that church um, really began to reshape my ideas around grace and what it meant. And so that was the beginning of a longer journey to where now grace is actually... For me, it means almost the complete opposite of what it used to, and that's that wow. I'm completely loved, wow. um, completely accepted, um, that it, it actually is an expression of God's great love for me, not his anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then grace now has become the motivating factor for why I'm transformed. I mean, I think all other things aside, grace is the number one thing that transforms our lives and transforms our world. Um, so for me, the whole concept of grace is why I listen to God, because I yeah. know because of grace that he has his the best hopes for me. Because of grace, I'm compelled because of the way he's extended his love to me. Even when I didn't deserve it, there's still that yeah. aspect to it. I'm not saying that that isn't a part of it, sure. but I'm just so overwhelmed by that, that it's like, how can I express my love and appreciation back because I fully understand your love and appreciation for me? And so there's that dynamic Um 
vertically. You know, I would say that grace defines my vertical relationship, but then grace also becomes the motivating factor horizontally in my relationships with others that Mm -hmm. as a recipient of true grace and the more I understand that grace, the more I understand the Father's heart in that grace, the easier it is for me to walk in that with other people around me and just to extend that grace mm-hmm. to my friends and my family and to you guys, to, mm-hmm. yeah. to everybody. So so grace for me is that like central, it's that central piece of my heart, my yeah. life uh, on just about every level. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I joke all the time, I can't even hold a good grudge anymore because of <laughs> grace. I just can't. Yeah. It's cool because I've heard you say, and it's you know it's on our website. It's something that we talk about often that grace changes yeah. everything. But to hear your story a little bit helps me understand more. I like yeah. I agree with that fully, mm-hmm. but it helps me understand more where that came from. It's a deep yeah. place in your own heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what about the other side of this conversation, which is truth? How mm-hmm. would you define truth, maybe from a biblical standpoint, and Ooh. even you know how is your understanding of truth? grown and changed over time truth for me i'm going to take it i'm going to back it up uh kind of way out just for a Mm -hmm. moment and say from like a if i was going to think about truth from a scientific standpoint which is where i go with it oftentimes when i think about this in my mind truth is like those undeniable physical or um, scientific realities Mm -hmm. i mean that's to think about truth it's like there is a way that things work and um and truth is when we happen to recognize and notice that things go this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the laws of physics, we can observe what I would say is a cosmic sort of truth, that there's this deep sense of there's a way that things are, and we're moving into that way that things are. Um, so on, on a level like that, we think of it in in the scope of science, and we can think about it and go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But I think that those same principles trickle down into the nuances of our lives. So for me, truth is like a river that's flowing. Maybe that's a better Mm. um, illustration, a river that's flowing and it never changes direction. It's always there. Um, My interaction with that river can be varied. Uh, I can Mm -hmm. swim across it. I can swim against the the current or I can swim with it. Um, For me, when I'm discovering truth, I'm catching into the flow of that river and now I'm swimming in that direction of that river. Right. So. I love that analogy because rivers always have a source, yeah, an yeah. origin point. It right. comes mm-hmm. from some place, right. which I don't know if you were intending to say that, <laughs> but I was thinking about that. Like for you, where would you draw that source? Yeah. Well, obviously with God. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> I mean, being how this, did that you was not a trick question. No, yeah, I know, just for a second, I looked yeah. at you like, uh, I, did I not make that clear? Um, <laughs> but you know, I, th- I think um, even to go back to the physics analogy, you know, for me, um, just the subatomic world, subatomic particles, what we're discovering in that realm, all of it right now, even just just within the last week and a half, there's been some new discoveries uh, regarding subatomic behavior hmm. that still points to that in the universe, there is still something that scientists can't figure out that is the source. It's holding mm-hmm. things. It's holding it all together. So for me, I always come back to it, whether it's in physics or whether it's a river, um, this source is always... Uh, is always the one true God. That's mm. that's who's at the heart behind all of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. So we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how we live in that tension between grace of being graceful to the people in our lives of being graceful to ourselves, but also still holding to, you know, 
flowing in that river and making sure we're going with the current instead of away from it. So in your own life, what has that looked like hmm. to hold in tension those two things of I want to be really gracious, but I also want to make sure that I'm not swimming upstream yeah. when it comes to truth. Yeah. But there's so many different nuances of, of answering that question. Because I think there's sort of a progressive aspect. Uh, I use that word to say we grow from <laughs> one point to another, not to say there's a progressive like we speak of it in our culture today, but yeah. we progress mm -hmm. in our knowledge. It's interesting for me to look back on my life. Um, I'm 47, and I look back to 27, and there were things that I believed to be true. Mm -hmm. And now I think they aren't less, they aren't quite as true as I thought they were. Mm. Huh. Um, so for me, it's like there's this discovery of truth along the way, which I think leads to that grace conversation of of realizing that there are moments when you are so convinced that something is true, and then you discover, actually, we're about three or four degrees off of right. truly mm -hmm. true. Okay, real quick. Was it disorientating for you to to take something that you felt was so true, and then as time went on, that yeah. changed? Did, yeah, was I that think hard, like, that, that's where the grace comes in. You have to mm -hmm. give yourself grace, and you have yeah. to give others grace in this process, and to realize that um, that truth at moments can be somewhat elusive and and confusing. Uh, yeah, so I think where you find it, where you discover it. Obviously, the Bible. There's so much explicit truth. I mean, there's just the Bible gives us specific truths that are sort of like, here's how the river's flowing. Why mm. don't you join us in that? Mm. But then you come to a book like Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. and Ecclesiastes seems to contradict some of the truths that are being spelled out in the book of Proverbs. And so you go, <laughs> well, wait a second. Proverbs told me to do this, but then this is saying, this is what you do when that didn't work. Same guy wrote it too. Which yeah. Is <laughs> yeah, which is really disorienting, yeah. right? So, so there's this sense that there's like the truth that is truth, and then there's yeah. the truth that's beyond the truth. There's those really true, like the truly true, really true things that are out there beyond. And so mm -hmm. I know that sounds a little vague, but I think Kind that's of like in the Chronicles of Narnia where they say there was like the, what is it, like the law before the beginning of yeah. time. Like there's yeah. the thing that happened at be the beginning of time, but there's other things that are even that's beyond exactly that. That's exactly it, yeah. It's like there's basic instructions for how to do this, but then there's that once you become a master, you're moving at a different level. It's like uh, operating a tool or riding a bike. There are certain things. Mm. A lot of people can ride a bike. A lot of people can't mountain bike. So I can't. It's terrible. for mountain biking right? by so the outdoor enthusiasts. Right. So, so there's. I mean, but that's a that's a thing where it's like yeah. there's. A, you can learn how to ride a bike, yes. but then to learn how to almost subconsciously operate that piece of machinery, yeah, is a different level. And I think that's what we're discovering with truth is that the Lord sort of gives us up front, like, hey, here's some. I want you to ride the bike. I don't want you to crash your bike. Like, don't mm -hmm. crash your bike. Mm -hmm. Now you're still going to probably crash your bike, even though he's telling you know. Just like yes, I can teach sure. you to ride a bike, you're still going to run into stuff. Right. So there's this basic, like early truth that's like, don't crash your bike. And then there's that, I want you to be a mountain biker. <laughs> yeah. I want you to master truth and master navigating a world where there's conflicting ideas right. in a different way. And I, I truly believe that's what we're we're wanting to move to. the The saddest thing for me it would be that if people spent their entire lives. Um, living in that first layer of truth and they were mm -hmm. just looking at the list and going, we just got to keep doing this, just keep our, you know, mm -hmm. to not move into that next place of understanding this larger sense of God's truth and and what that's about. Um, that I think is why Paul says, quit sipping on the milk and start eating the yeah. meat. Mm -hmm. Move to something that's deeper and more profound and a more, more a, a more radical understanding of the whole world that we live in, not yeah. just here's how you get through today. So yeah. as you're talking, I'm thinking, I agree with you completely, but I'm thinking about like, how do you move from one space to the next? Because 
you know, we encounter people all the time that are 100% positive that their thing is absolute right. truth and right. And yet they need a space to grow. Right. So how do you go from where we are to where we should go? And I, I know you mentioned earlier, there's a grace required in how we see other people in progress. But if someone's listening to this and going, I want to grow, how do I do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there, I think there's two journeys towards this. Um, the one is the one that you choose. The other is the one you don't choose. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think sometimes you okay. find, sometimes you get there because you wake up one day and you realize, oh my goodness, I've been wrong. Mm -hmm. And you learn that through some brutal confrontation, something that's, or I've just seen this the wrong way. Again, for a lot of Christians, a lot of times it's just a couple of degrees. It's it's just, they've been swimming slightly off current. Mm -hmm. um, but you have these moments you wake up and go, oh, I think I've missed this. And it's, you know, and you have, maybe you have apologies to offer. You have things you have to say to people and go back. And um, I can think of examples of that in my own family history where my family became, uh, you know, radicalized Christians <laughs> out mm -hmm. of a really, uh, my my extended family, uh, most of them aren't followers of Jesus. They're yeah. pretty rowdy people. Uh, my family, we just partied. I mean, that yeah. was what our families did. And suddenly my parents became Christians and we- Went to uh, church we instead, went to of church instead of partying. <laughs> yeah. and, and we pulled ourselves out of that. And there was, there was this posture that was created and we knew we were right. Mm but we were wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of that. Like, And then when you wake up one day to realize that you mistreated a family member or you mm -hmm. said things that were deeply offensive and unloving um, and and then have to come back. Those are the kind of things that I yeah. say that you wake up sometimes and you realize that. So that's the one journey, being confronted by something, realizing you were wrong on mm -hmm. the back end of it. I think the better way is for us to hold certain things loosely um, one thing the Bible is really clear on is our fallibility. Um, <laughs> every theologian that I've ever uh, read has agreed that man is fallible, that we are not mm -hmm. perfect, that we don't that we don't get it right. And it's it's like if if you've ever been in any sort of accident, nobody chooses an accident. Nobody mm -hmm. chooses to make a left hand turn and miss a car and cause yeah. a collision. Um, so there's a fallibility that's there. And I think we have to transfer that and say, is there the possibility that I could be seeing this wrong? Mm -hmm. I think we have to ask ourselves those questions. I mean, I do that all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've in my faith journey, I have wrestled with so many of the things that people are wrestling with today in their faith. Um, I, I tend to be a, a skeptic. I ask mm -hmm. lots of questions. Um, so for decades in this journey, I've been very free with saying, well, why is it this way? What does this mean? Do Am I seeing it the right way? So I think there's this part where we have to create a posture where we're able to question ourselves, um, which then that's where the grace, we have to understand. Yeah, We have to be recipients of grace in order to do that. The first sign that we have not received grace ourselves is that we have to be right because <laughs> we're creating a moralistic system mm -hmm. to feel saved. Mm. So being right for so many of us is the way that we feel saved. Hmm. And so until you truly receive grace, you're going to con continue to try to be right mm -hmm. in order to feel like you've had this sort of, you, you've accomplished something with mm -hmm. yourself. You've you've sort of become this moral person. So, mm -hmm. um, so we have to receive grace and then be in this posture of being able to say, because I've received that, because I understand it, um, I'm going to hold things a little more loosely mm -hmm. and I'm able to ask questions. I don't have to be right. Mm -hmm. um, I also don't have to be wrong. And I think that's mm -hmm. the other important part of this is just, I, I may have some ideas. You may confront my ideas, but 
I may question. It doesn't mean I have to go, well, then I'm going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I can, I can actually look at you and say, well, that's an interesting thought. That's mm-hmm. an interesting idea. I don't know what I think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can hold those two things together yeah. and, and we can sort through this. So I wandered a lot there. I don't know if that fully answers your question. <laughs> oh, no, you, you did. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just helpful for people to hear uh, everything you said, but mostly um, how do I grow in this? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. to recognize first and foremost that we're fallible potentially, yeah. which requires us to receive yeah. grace and walk in humility yeah. and then to be curious. But I love that you said you can be right, but you can also be wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be on either of those spaces too. Yeah. Well, guys, isn't that the problem right now in our culture? Yeah. It's like you're not allowed yeah. to be wrong. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and yet I don't, I think one of the most beneficial things in my marriage has been for me to walk into my wife and say, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And for her to say, thank you. And for us to walk away. And, and how often does getting defensive over what you did go well for right. you? Yeah. <laughs> Not usually that It doesn't great. seem yeah. to work, you yeah. know? Yeah. Or, no. ber- or, or me berate. If you walk yeah. in and say, I was wrong, and for then me berating you for being wrong. Right. Uh, I think it's, there's, a, there's an environment of grace where I say, man, it's right. okay. You're allowed to be wrong, and so am I. We're yeah. allowed to get things wrong sometimes. Yeah, and I think without that, back to your marriage example, you there's n- there's not really a possibility for a relationship. If I can't go to you and say I was wrong, and you can't gracefully forgive me, then how can we ever actually have yeah. as two fallible human beings? Yeah, how can we ever actually right. have a good relationship? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Before we move on from some of what you've been saying, I'm just kind of curious on a practical level when you're thinking about holding things loosely and examining the ideas that you have, what is that process for you? Like, are you re like, you're like, I have an idea, I'm holding this thing loosely, but I'd like to learn some more about it. Mm -hmm. What kinds of, what's the process there for kind of exploring more and how do you hold something loosely and seek for truth without getting swayed too much too early? I made a decision Oh, probably uh, 15 years ago, maybe 13 years ago, that I believed that no matter what question I was asking or no matter what issue I was wrestling with, there was an answer that wouldn't cause me to abandon Jesus. Um, that was a significant thing because I think a lot of people wrestle with their doubts or their questions mm-hmm. and they put everything on the on the chopping block and they put it all. So if I have any questions or if any one of these things is uh, is I, I've misunderstood or, or didn't realize this, then they just sort of swipe the whole thing. They chop it all and say, well, it's all gone, including Jesus and the cross and the whole thing. So a long time ago, I mean, I just came to this conclusion as I was wrestling with certain things and we were living in New York City. Um, it was kind of stirred up during that time. And it was shortly after that, that it was a really complicated, pluralistic, mm-hmm. very, very different culture. Um, coming out of that culture and having those kinds of questions, I think it was just important to say the, at some point that whatever my questions are, they have to come back to, to the person of Jesus. Yeah. And I'm going to find my way there. And if anything, if, if any of my answers draw me to a conclusion where Jesus can't be in this with me, then I've lost the plot. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost like this ability to prioritize and say, I mean, I've talked before about the Wesleyan quadrilateral, Mm -hmm. but there's this idea that we have have elevated our understanding over other understanding. So for me, it was saying Jesus is going to have the ultimate authority that when I come to my conclusions, 
Jesus has got to be in there because yeah. if he's not, then I've got to go back and rework that. Um, so that's really how I've kind of kept myself balanced in that is looking to Jesus. Now that discovery process, I mm-hmm. read. Yes. Uh, I read, I listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to hear what different ideas are. I I'll oftentimes, you know, it took me a long time to realize that I had been living in a very, um, very small pool of Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. when I was in seminary, I was driving to class one day and I grew up in a church that was pre-mill, pre, pre-trib, um, dispensational, and, and I did not know another thing. For those of you that are listening, those are church words. Uh, yeah. those are you don't need, it's not words. important to know what they mean. They're beyond church words, they're seminary but I was words. Taught, yeah. I was taught this. I, was, I grew up in a church where even as a high school student, yeah. we were learning this like idea right. about the world and how the Bible was, you know, was to be written. And one day I'm driving to seminary, I'm listening to R.C. Sproul, uh, who, who I knew was a respected theologian, and I suddenly realized that he's amillennial. He has a complete mm-hmm. different view mm-hmm. of of the end times than what I'd grown up with. And I went to my pastor and I said, "What's the deal? Like you taught me this." And he goes, "Ah, it'll all pan out in the end." I mean, these are just theories. I'm like, no, you preached it like it yeah. was the thing. And he yeah. said, "Yeah, but he's a great Bible scholar too. He just has a different opinion." And it was just this kind of mm. earth shattering moment for me. Like, why did you preach it like it was the same as the gospel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was this nuanced theology that people are trying to understand. So I know I'm wading into some touchy waters there with some of who may be listening, but, but that was not the point though. That was the need to be able to wade into some of those touchy waters. And that was the beginning of me realizing that I had not, I had not heard things. Yeah. It wasn't that I, I didn't have a choice. I mean, Mm -hmm. basically then I started looking at some of my education and realized that I was more brainwashed in some sense than I was given an opportunity to respond and say, collect the evidence and draw conclusions. Yeah. Well, and this isn't a comment on your age at all, but that's now even more easy to do, yeah. mm-hmm. to be in a circle, a bubble, um, a bubble yeah. of things that only reinforce your ideas and your opinions and to drown everything else out. Yeah, And we, we talked about that way back in the episode on social media, that it's even monetized right. to be mm-hmm. driven in that direction. And the theological world, the church world, isn't yeah. any different in a yeah. lot of regards. I think, you know, I, I haven't, I've not read the book and I can't, I'm not endorsing it one way or the other, but um, I, I have heard a couple people reference Talking to Strangers yeah. by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And I've just really, for the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about the way that we talk about people we don't know versus the way we talk about people that we do know, mm-hmm. the way we think <laughs> about people that we know versus the way we think about yeah. people that we don't know. And if you're wrong, um, I kind of can chuckle and be like, well, you're going to come around on this, you know, sure. but if I don't know you, well, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. That's where our culture is right now. Instead of being like, wait, what if I actually knew this person? Yeah. And the interesting thing for me is I've had, I have lots of friends who don't believe as I do. Um, and when we sit and talk and we share ideas and we have conversation, I have so much grace for them because I know them. So for me, a lot of times I'm just trying to apply that same grace to the person that I don't know because mm-hmm. I know I know their friends, right? If that makes mm-hmm. sense, yeah. Um, so that's why I always say, if you really want to comment on another person's ideas or another set of ideas in our culture, you better know a few people or have a few friends that are in that set of ideas, so that you understand why they think the way they think, why they've gotten mm-hmm. to the conclusion they've gotten to, because I think that'll help you offer a little bit more grace to them. Mm-hmm. 
Hey everyone, this has been such an important conversation with Pastor Brad. Mm -hmm. We've had so had a good time. Such a great time. Um, so much so that we talked for over an hour straight yes. about these <laughs> things. And so we have decided to break this conversation up into two separate episodes. Because you know, we didn't want you to have too much of a good thing. Exactly. Yes. And so part two is going to be coming out next week. So stay tuned. We are so glad you joined us for this episode. Again, make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss next week's episode. You can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes. And we will see you guys next week. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at B4Church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.